up everybody welcome back to another episode of two minute drill presented by deep dive sports you got me and david on this one today we're gonna always start out like we normally do in our quarter one recap section here i mean really guys there was uh a lot of interesting games um that went on this week but we'll kind of go over two of the heavier hitters that went on we had a you know chiefs bills and eagles cowboys lots of uh playoff implications with that one We'll go ahead and start with the Chiefs versus Bills. Obviously, if you guys watched this game, this was a, a close game, 20-17. to 17. Bills squeaked that one out by a couple inches of uh, Kadarius Tony's toe there. Um, <laughs> if you did not see that one. So, David, your thoughts on uh, this game here, and then maybe if you have any thoughts on just the, the amount of I don't want to call it whining. A lot of people are calling it whining from Patrick Mahomes, but his just his vocalness on, you know, his disdain for that call there at the end of the game for the uh, offensive offsides. I mean, I think that the refs actually did their job. Um, I think that it was a pretty fair call, to be honest, regardless of whether or not they gave warning. Um, I think that the right call was made. Like I remember watching, I think I was watching Pat McAfee about it and he's like, yeah, this call gets rarely ever called. Um, it's like, it was like 11 times it was called this entire season so far. And we're in what, what week is it now? So that was week 14 this past week. So, yeah. so through, so through 14 weeks, we've only had this called 11 times. Mm-hmm. So I think that the whining is just whining. I think it's the fact that Chiefs fans are not used to losing in the way that they did, um, especially considering the last couple of years. Um, because at least from what I understand and being on social media, it's like the joke was the refs were always in favor of the chiefs was kind of like the running joke almost in some form or fashion. So now the chiefs are upset that a call was called against them. And so, so yeah, I think that the, the, the call was fair with or without warning. Um, Cause I, I'm not a ref. I don't know, and I'm not a player, so I don't know what exactly went down there. But from the outside looking in, it looks like a fair call to me, at least. But what do I know? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely the he was off sides for sure. I mean, I think you you can see it, and and it's kind of on him for not checking. Um, though I I don't think the refs have to tell you that you're not on sides. I think they have to check. Um. And I do think like they're calling it whining. And I, I do think Patrick Mahomes was probably a little over the top about it. But I think a lot of the frustration is probably spilled over from last week's game when they didn't get the calls that they wanted. Like I think they wanted a pass interference call there at the end of the game last week. And then they wanted a um a roughing call for Patrick Mahomes when he got hit kind of going out of bounds last week too. So I think maybe there's some animosity there with with refs in general, just and just at the end of the game there, um, 
they basically had the win and it was taken away by that offsides call. But again, I mean, Kadarius Tony was offsides. So, I mean, that's, that's tough. You know, that's, I guess what the 11th or 12th time now it's been called. <laughs> so it is what it is. I guess I want to get your opinion too, David. Like these wide receivers have really let this team down this year. I mean, this is a, this chief's defense is probably the best that we've seen over the past couple of years. I think this offensive line is really solid for Patrick Mahomes. And obviously you have Patrick Mahomes, who's arguably the best quarterback in the league right now. Um, Do you see this wide receiving core getting any better going into the playoffs? Or or do you think this wide receiving core is really going to be this team's demise this year? I mean, at the end of the day, anything can really happen. It it's football. It's any given Sunday. So for all we know, they, they all could, just show up one day and be absolute gods. Um, but on this, on that same, the flip side of that same coin is like you said, they've been kind of the hindrance of this Chiefs team almost because you've got Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, an offensive running game that, while not the greatest in the world, still has been pretty decent. Overall, they've held their own. Um, so pretty much everyone else and the offensive line has actually been pretty good. So pretty much everyone else on that Chiefs offense has been been doing their job except for the wide receivers. So um yeah, it could they could hold the norm and still be uh the hindrance of that they are and have been for pretty much the entire season, but it doesn't mean that they couldn't step up and make amazing plays when once playoff time comes around. Yeah. No, I don't know, man. I, I really think that, I mean, it's Patrick Mahomes, you know, I think we don't want to get caught up in this, this narrative that, Hey, just because they have Patrick Mahomes, they're going to be able to do whatever they want to do. And, I know we did that with Tom Brady a lot too, and and maybe that is the case. Maybe even with the deficiencies, you know, Patrick Mahomes is going to be able to will them to a Super Bowl, you know, but I just don't want to see them in a situation in the Super Bowl where they're, like, struggling because because of it. But, I mean, hey, you're like you said, anything can happen. Maybe, maybe this week they get right and they stop dropping so many passes, they stop making so many mistakes, and, and I mean, they, uh, they go on a run. Of course you don't want to see that. Yeah. Do you go based off of what they've done pretty much every week or pray to God that they come together? Yeah. I I do think that in the off season though, they need to go get a number one guy, like a true number one. Um, I know that they don't necessarily want to pay him because they would like to, to pay the rest of the roster too. And maybe they just really need to fight hard in the draft to try to find somebody. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think I think it's tough because you really don't have a guy on that roster that's a true number one. Like, you have a lot of guys who are number three, number four guys on any other roster. And right now they're all, you know, playing significant time, to like three or four of them. So that's where you're tough. Like, your number one wide receiver right now is Travis Kelsey. And, you know, Travis Kelsey is good and all, but he's, he's still a tight end, like, He's not as he's not as quick. He's not as versatile as as some wide receivers in the league. So you, you need you need that number one guy to to really be a wideout. And I think 
I think that's where they need to try to to fix something. And then I think if they get Patrick Mahomes a guy, he'll be fine. You know, I don't know who they go and get, but they got to get something. I mean, maybe they make a trade and bring in like a a George Pickens or um, I, I don't know. I mean, that seems kind of an easier one if the Steelers are willing to part ways with them. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Eagles Cowboys. This is the second week in a row the the Eagles have kind of been blown out. Um, not like a turnover happy game for the Eagles here. Just just could not move the ball. Couldn't score. The Cowboys look better. You know, I think they uh they're kind of rounding in the form and they they uh they returned uh, the favor from earlier in the season. So, what's your thoughts on this game here, David? I think that. Any good team hits a rough patch um, at any point. I think that just comes with being in the NFL. Um, It just happens that it's coming more towards the end of the uh, season. And it just happened to be against probably the most despised team in the world. That's not the New York Yankees. Um, And... So I think the Cowboys just took advantage, which is great for them. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to discredit this team at all, even though I just called them the worst team in the world. (laughs) Um, But they definitely took advantage um, and outplayed the Eagles. So I think, but even still, I think that the Eagles are fine even with this loss. Um, And as we saw earlier in the season, they were able to win difficult games. It just came that uh, they hit their little bit of rough patch at the end of the season or more towards the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they've run into some good quality teams. Like I think we can all agree the 49ers are looking like the team to beat in the NFL right now. Um. And the Cowboys are are really hitting their stride, as not a lot of people want to see because they're annoyed by the fan base. But, I mean, Dak is playing really well, and that team is playing really well. Obviously, you would love to have Trevon Diggs on that defensive side. I think that would really help out. But, you know, they're getting contributions from guys that that you wouldn't think they would get contributions from, and and that, that's really helpful. And, um, you know, Stephon Gilmore is playing, I wouldn't say, like, prime Stefan Gilmore, but he's pretty close right now. So, um, yeah, yeah, no, it, it's just one of those things. I think these guys will probably meet again at some point in the playoffs. If they don't, then they don't. But if they do, it'll be another game where maybe it won't be a blowout either way. So hopefully it will get a good game, a good game with it. So like I said, not very many turnovers for Jalen Hurts. He just couldn't move the ball. So, all right. Quarter two, it's college football time, guys. There's really not much to uh, to talk about game-wise. Um, I think this past week, the Army-Navy game happened. Not crazy exciting. I watched it a little bit, but those guys are not, uh, not really looking to go pro, a lot of them. So they're going to go serve our country, which shout out to them. They're awesome people. I love the sacrifice that they made, and I appreciate it every single day. Um, but definitely not the most uh, 
fun game to watch. <laughs> um, but they do fight hard and they do play hard, and I will give them that. Um, so that is important. But we're going to talk about the main thing that kind of really is going on right now, and it's the transfer portal and just the the volatility. I don't think I said that word right, but we're going to go with it. Of the transfer portal there, um, David, over 1,500 players this year, just in this cycle. Again, we have another cycle um, when it opens up for a couple days there in, like, I think the end of January, beginning of February. But just 1,500 players alone entered the portal. You know, what is your thoughts on just the amount of players that entered the portal this go-around? Well, one, I would say volatile nature is how I would put it. Okay, okay. Uh, volatile, so. Um, but granted, that's just me. So this doesn't surprise me. I mean, with NIL uh, and with it being as high as it is, I think that a lot of players are trying to – I think a lot of players know that they're not going to go to the NFL – and so they're trying to shoot their shot at trying to get the most amount of NIL that they can. So I'm glad that they are trying uh, to shoot their shot wherever this leads them. I think this can be, for a lot of them, can be a learning lesson. Um, that especially for, because for a lot of people, um, the learning lesson of you don't always get what you want at the end of the day comes much later in life um so to have this happen to a lot of these younger guys um happen so soon i think can help can help to some degree in the sense that they're not going to always get what they want and so they have to figure out with what they have and go from there so i'm just happy that they're able to shoot their shot, go for it. Um, at the end of the day, um, as long as they're trying to get an education and better themselves in any way possible, then go for it. I mean, football at the end of the day, unless you're going pro, is just second nature. It Once you're done with college, you're, for the most part, done with football the rest of your life unless you go coach a youth team, uh, coach in like high school, middle school, high school, whatever. Um, so outside of coaching, football's pretty much done, at least playing wise. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I do think that it is a lot to do with NIL. Um, and I agree. I think people are some people are money chasing. I think when you look a lot at the older athletes than college football, they are definitely uh chasing the money. But I do think also at the same time, some of the younger guys, like you saw a lot of guys jump in the portal who were like um freshmen who just finished their freshman season or just finished their sophomore season. So they still have like three, like two, three to four more years of eligibility. And I think a lot of those guys jumped in because, you know, they weren't going to see the playing time. So they want the playing time, but also they realized, Hey, like I could go somewhere. Like if I'm at Georgia and I'm like going to be still the third or fourth string 
defensive tackle next year as a sophomore. Screw that. I'll jump in the portal. I know that I'm a four or five star dude and I'll go somewhere like, you know, uh, Pitt or I'll go to, I don't know. What's another, like, like use university of Cincinnati or something like that. And I know that I'll start there for one. I'll still get quality games that I'll play. And I'm sure I could get paid a little bit of money. You know what I mean? I can make couple hundred grand to half a million dollars depending on where I land and that'll be that and I think that's ultimately a big portion of the guys that jumped in the portal are those guys that are like I'm not I'm not waiting anymore I I don't know why I mean that's not really what college football was it was always like oh I'll sit for like I'll sit and develop for two years and then I'll play for one to two years. Either I'll be a one and done or I'll play for two years and then I'll go to the NFL. And it doesn't seem like that's really what it is now. Um, But moving on to the next question I had for you, you know, kind of in tandem with that is, you know, with the 12 team playoff, do you think that that number lowers next year or do you think, or I guess lowers over time, or do you think there's something else that may cause it to lower over over time or do you think it'll always be this high i don't think it'll be as high every single year um i'll still think it it will be high because with the 12 team playoff that means more teams will get in more chances for these players to get nil and people are able to see who they are um on a national scale to some degree. Cause let's be honest. Um, any other bowl game outside of this, outside of the three bowls that count for the seat, um, college playoff, uh, football playoff, um, as it sits right now, um, they don't get much NIL outside of their local, local areas with this 12 team playoff, now they can be on more of a national scale and the games will matter a little bit more. And so I think it'll lower a little bit, but not my much. Um, Cause I think they'll try and move to one of the lower teams that still have a decent chance at winning. Um, even though they may not have the greatest chance winning the college football playoff um and just just to have at least one game on a national scale yeah i i think over time the 12 team playoff will play a big role in lessening this for two reasons because i think first instead of four teams you're going to have 12 teams so now you have eight more teams that are going to be in this playoff which means this this specific window of guys wanting to transfer um is going to kind of hinder that. So you're not going to have as much guys hopping in the portal during this time. Um, if you're one of those 12 teams, you know what I mean? Cause they're going to want to stay on that roster. They're going to want to compete for a national championship. So that's going to be 12 total teams where you don't have like, cause I know like Ohio state had 13 guys hop in the portal, this rotation, like 13 or 15 guys. So if you have 12 teams that each have like 15 guys that are hopping in the portal, which is probably a lot. It's probably more around like an average of 10 or whatever. But even so, that's like 120 of the people that are in the portal just from those 12 teams. Um, so that's going to lessen it there. 
I think the other thing that will lessen this number over time is I think that the guys coming out of high school going to go to college, I think they're going to put more of an emphasis on trying to figure out how quickly they're going to be able to start. Um, And if it doesn't look like to them, that there's going to be a pathway for them to start in their second season. I don't, I think they're going to start just deciding to go to different places. Right. So like, I don't think the university of Georgia or Ohio state or Alabama um, or Oregon or Washington or USC are going to be able to stack talent like they have been. Like, you're not going to be like, oh my gosh, we just lost our five-star defensive tackle who went in the draft. Um, oh, don't worry. The next guy that's going to play next year is another five-star defensive tackle. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that you're going to see more or less that a lot of these top teams that have been super good over the years will still be good programs, but they're going to be relying more on like low-end, four-star, high-end, three-star guys to really fill out that roster and they're only going to have you know a couple five star guys here and there um because these guys aren't really they're not going to be able to stack all these five and four star guys so you're going to see the talent spread out a lot more so i think players will be playing sooner and be playing more they'll be getting the nil money so there'll be less people that are hopping be hopping in the portal because of that because they're going to be happy because they're playing and they're going to be happy because they're getting money and they're not really too worried about success. But if they go to a certain, you know, set of teams then there always will be a chance for them to make that 12 team playoff. Um, and then the other thing, yeah, I, I just think that those, those are probably the two things. I think the other thing that I was thinking of might be the 12 team playoff. Like if you stay with a team like Georgia, or Ohio state, like you know that you'll always probably be in the playoffs or always going to get some sort of playing time, especially since like it's going to go from 12 or 13 games in a season played now to where you might be playing like 15 or 16 games in a season now because of the playoffs. So the odds of like injuries or the odds of giving guys more playing time because they want to rest some guys is probably going to go up. So you're going to have more of an opportunity to showcase yourself earlier on, I believe too. So those, those three things I think will lessen it. But like you said, David, I think it'll always be, it'll always be a little bit higher. I just don't think 1500 is, or more than 1500 is what we're going to look at every single year. I think that's, that's crazy. So mm-hmm. um, last thing college football wise thoughts on the Heisman winner, Jaden Daniels quarterback LSU. Do you think that uh, he was the one that should have got it? Are you happy with it? What's your thoughts? I mean, I think that I think the final four were perfect. I think that it was really splitting hairs between the four of them. And I think we kind of expected a quarterback at the end of the day. However, I think they were all really good players for their respected teams. I think it was just a matter of splitting hairs. And that's how they ended up with uh, Jaden Daniels. I mean, great for him. There's, I'm not trying to take away from that at all. Um, so, yeah, I would love to know their their logic because, like I said, it was splitting splitting hairs between the four. I think it was just the statistical season that he put up, and I get it too. But I I don't know. I would have liked to see Penix or Bo Nix win it, only because I just feel like. 
I feel like LSU really didn't play very hard teams and mm. the teams that they did play well, he didn't play well in those games. You know what I mean? The, the good teams that he played, he didn't really play that well. So he really padded his stats against a lot of the lesser teams that they played. Not discrediting it, but I mean, that's just the truth of, of the matter. And when you look at somebody like Michael Penix with Washington, they're undefeated. You know what I mean? He had to play Oregon twice. He had to play USC. He had to play Utah. He had to play Oregon State. You know what I mean? He had to play some really good quality teams, and he always outshined them. He always played well. Um, Bo Nix had a great season. He only lost to Michael Penix in Washington. You know what I mean? So you're like, you're looking at a guy who had quality wins as well, too. But I don't think Marvin Harrison should have won it. I, I really like him as a as a wide receiver and as a Ohio State fan. I, you know, will always love his his time here at Ohio State, but I just don't really think he put up the statistical season to really win the Heisman this year. I think if he had a better um quarterback that was throwing him the ball, I think he would have put up better numbers. But yeah, I, I would have liked to see some like one of the other two win it, specifically Michael Penix, I think. I think it would have been better if if he had won it, but I mean he, Jaden Daniels, had a really good season statistically, and and I get that's that's a really big part of it. It's not, it's not whose team won the most games, but I do think performances matter, and I just don't think that Jaden Daniels really performed that well against the good teams, and he just really padded his stats against the bad teams. So like, I kind of. Give say yes, he had a really good statistical season, but there's a little bit of an asterisk beside it. You know what I mean? It's like, eh. Oh. <laughs> so, I don't know. Let us know what you guys think at home about the Heisman. Like, I don't think I don't think he doesn't deserve it, but I just think maybe there's a couple other guys that deserved it a little bit more. So, mm-hmm. all right, quarter three, current topics within the NFL. We're gonna rip right off the top here. Will Levis. I don't know if you guys been uh watching uh Mayo Coffee there, but <laughs> not he hasn't won too many games as a starter, right? He's only won two games, he's lost three, but when you look at what he's been able to put together, he's been right around, I would say, sixty percent completion. Um, he's put together what, like three, five seven close to a thousand passing yards um four touchdowns two picks like not amazing numbers but he's a rookie right so through five games he's been pretty solid he's got him two wins like he had a a great comeback win against the dolphins on monday night I, from what you've seen david do you think that will levis can be the future for tennessee um, or do you think that their quarterback search is still ongoing? Well, for starters, I think that any of the quarterbacks that get drafted, especially in the first to fourth rounds, can certainly be the future of any team, especially if given the proper amount of team time. Um, I mean, especially look look at Jordan Love. I mean, we thought that this he was what in the fourth round that he was drafted? No, he was a first round draft pick. Oh, he was a first round draft pick. Yeah, they had. I think they traded up to like twelve to get him or something. Well, okay. Either way, point that I'm trying to make is, if you give the guy enough time, 
he can be something. Um, because here we thought Jordan Love wouldn't be anything, especially being that the Green Bay Packers had Aaron Rodgers for so long. And this guy, while not putting up an amazing season, is putting up a pretty decent season for what is his first full starting season. Yes, it's not what we expect from Green Bay, being their quarterback history over the last 20, 25 years, but he's still doing a decent job. Add some pieces around him, and he might be a phenomenal quarterback for the next 15-plus years. Now, that is not... I'm not saying that's what Will Lovis will be. The point that I was trying to make is that, like I said before, if you give enough time, he can be. But who knows? Will Lovis has definitely shown that he can be something, whether he translate that into the next next couple of years, who knows? But for right now, he's he's done solid. He's done what a rookie is kind of expected to do, um, given what he has right at the moment. And he's gone out there and played his hardest. Yeah, I, I see Will Levis as like a. I think his floor is Ryan Tannehill, and I think his ceiling is is Kirk Cousins, right? I do think, mm. I, to me, like, I think he could be the future of Tennessee as long as they put a good enough team around him. You know what I mean? Like, if he if he could have a, a Kirk Cousins type career, I think that he's had a he would have a super successful career. You know what I mean? He just has to have the guys around him, and I think that that's that's going to be the most important piece. He's obviously using DeAndre Hopkins, you know, a lot better than what Ryan Tannehill was. So I think that Will Levis, like I said, I think his floor is Ryan Tannehill and his ceiling is Kirk Cousins. I think that's really where he's going to be as a quarterback, somewhere in between there. I don't really think he's going to be a guy where you're like, oh my gosh, you're a top five quarterback in the league ever. I don't think that's what you're going to get from him, but I do think that he could be a top half quarterback in the league for his, for his career. He could get to that point. I think that's probably um, what his trajectory looks like. Is that good enough for the Tennessee Titans? I don't know. I mean, they kind of have to decide what they want in a quarterback. And I think we've seen that you don't need, you don't need a guy who's, the most flashy. You don't need a guy who's the best passer. You just need a guy who's willing to go out there and make the smart play and make an accurate pass and is cool under pressure and is a good leader. You know what I mean? I think those are the lot of qualities that we see in guys like Brock Purdy, like we see in Jalen Hurts. Um, and those guys are able to be successful. And I wouldn't say that they're the best quarterbacks in the league. They're just accurate. They're cool under pressure. They're good leaders. Um, and they they take care of the ball. And I think that's really important. I think if Will Levis can get to that point, then he can be a starter in this league for a long time, whether that's with Tennessee or somebody else. So I do think it's trending towards him being the future of Tennessee. I, I, really, I really think that these next four games for him are going to be important. If he's able to stay afloat, not turn the ball over too much, and just look pretty solid. I think going into next year, Tennessee chooses to start building around him 
and it'll be very interesting. We'll get to see more uh more weird quirks from uh Mr. Mayo Coffee. So <laughs> yeah, just give him just give him a decent team to work with, and some more Mayo creamer, and we'll be fine. Mayo Chris, uh, so gross. <laughs> <laughs> no. no 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 all right well let's move on from that topic on to a freaking weirder talk topic uh, did anybody watch the jets versus texans game this week if you did uh zach wilson looking like freaking an actual starting quarterback in the nfl i don't really understand what happened? I don't understand how the Jets just obliterated the Texans. Um, I understand that CJ Stroud went out in this game with a concussion, but before that, he was 10 for 23 for 91 yards. This is probably CJ Stroud's worst game that he played. And I I just don't I don't understand. Again, Zach Wilson, 301 passing yards, two touchdowns. Like Holy cow, David! What is your what is your take on this game, man? Um, Zach Wilson finally showed that he was a competent quarterback. Maybe it's just a one game thing. Who knows? Um, but yeah, it was all around a really well played game. I mean, you had Brees Hall who ran for forty yards, had a reception touchdown as well. Garrett Wilson. Had nine receptions, uh, 108 yards. Um, Xavier, yeah, Xavier Gibson had um, one reception, three yards, but also had a rushing touchdown. So I think all around it was a really well-played game from everyone. Um, So, yeah. And maybe Zach Wilson is showing something that he should have shown long, long ago. Um, but who knows? This might, like I said before, this might just be a one-off. Um, so yeah. Do you do you think maybe his good performance is maybe due to Aaron Rodgers being back in the building? Not necessarily saying that oh, because Aaron Rodgers is there, Zach Wilson is playing better. But Aaron Rodgers hasn't really been in the building. I don't think he's been there during practices. Because he's been his uh doctor and rehab facility, I think is in California. So now him being back at the practice facility, him probably being in those quarterback meetings. And I know I had mentioned earlier in the season, like, hey, yes, like Zach Wilson is playing, but hopefully you get a lot of that wisdom that Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to pass down to him. But like I said, we haven't seen him. I don't think he's been there during practice. He hasn't been there during those quarterback meetings all season up until the past like maybe week or two when he got reactivated and he's back on the, you know, back practicing now. So him being there, him being able to like help that quarterback room and walk them through things and give them advice and pass on his wisdom. Do you think that that maybe that's I don't know if a correlation is the the right word here, but. Do you think maybe that is part of the reason why Zach Wilson played so well? Or do you think maybe this is just a, hey, you know, a clock's right twice a day. He just had a good game. <laughs> like, Honestly, it could go either way. But I think that having a good, solid quarterback who is willing 
keyword willing to help out the younger generation does help. And I think that when he was, when Aaron Rodgers was in Green Bay, he didn't necessarily help out Jordan Love that much. Um, because he saw Jordan Love as his replacement more than anything else. Now he left Green Bay um, and is now willingly in New York. So I think that the combination of him willingly being in New York, kind of being in the last legs of his career, and the fact that he got in, injured two minutes into game one, and so I think that helped a lot when he was able to come back and actually help. So it could have just been a broken clock is right twice, time, two times a day. But as long as he was willing to help Zach Wilson, I think that it could have been that too. Okay. Yeah, I agree. It It, it might be a combination of both, right? Like, Zach Wilson getting uh getting some help there from from Aaron, but but also like, hey, he had a good game. There you go. <laughs> I don't know, we'll see. So uh yeah, let's move on. Hey, David, the Rams. I think at the beginning of this season, we had all written them off. Um like, oh, they're going to lose so many games. They're not going to be successful. Like, maybe people were talking about maybe Matthew Stafford goes 0-16 again. Like, you know what I mean? Like, those, those kind of talks for the Rams this season. And, and and I will say, I feel like they've been really competitive this year. Like, they've been in games. I don't really think they've gotten blown out. Um, And they found a gem in Pukunokua, and Cooper Cup is still there balling out. And Matthew Stafford is still dishing the ball out real well, and he looks good throwing the ball. Um, obviously, them being six and seven, their record doesn't show a super competitive team, but I think they're still in a playoff hunt for a wild card spot. They're still alive right now for the NFC, so that's a possibility. But my question for you, David, is, you know, with how competitive they've been, and, and it seems like they've hit on some of their free agents and some of their draft picks here, do you think they're one good offseason away from really competing for Super Bowl and maybe being back in a Super Bowl next year? Oh, yeah, I think that they definitely can. Um, I think that they are shocking a lot of people with being as successful as they are, it may not be the most successful team in the world right at the moment, but they're doing a lot better than I think a lot of people gave them credit for early in the season, myself included. Um, so, but yeah, as it sits right now, I think that they can be one good off, one good off season away from being back in the Super Bowl. Um, I think it's definitely possible if, as long as they are careful, make their right picks, um, don't go over the cap space. And uh, so, yeah, I think it's definitely possible as it sits right now. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I think if they're able to bring in the right pieces in free agency, I don't think they need to go make a huge splash, but I think if they can – 
bring in maybe the right veterans and then in the draft that they can go really draft some good solid young guys to come in and help out and play I think they have a good core right now and and Matthew Stafford is still playing at a high level and they have a wide receiving core that is arguably one of the better in the league you know what I mean I, th- I think you could say that it's like a top five top six wide receiving core in the league right now and that's uh that's hard to do especially drafting a guy like Pukunuku I think in like the fifth or sixth round like you don't always see that so it's very interesting but this next topic here David this one is uh this one's for you here man listen Deshaun Watson goes down for the Browns and I think a lot of people think all right he's out for the season you know we'll try to still win some games, but the playoffs look out of reach In comes DTR. And you go, Oh, hold on a second. DTR is not playing bad. And he's able to keep this offense afloat while that defense does what that defense does. And we could string some wins together and maybe make a playoff push. But then you lose DTR right to a concussion and you're like, Oh, P.J. Walker, that dude ain't getting it done. In comes Joe Flacco, and he is balling. <laughs> he is playing like he don't even care. He's just going out there, throwing the ball. I think somebody said he looked like prime Joe Flacco. I don't know about that, but he is definitely playing like he has no care in the world, and like he's playing with house money at this point. Um, the Browns, I think, officially put him on their active roster. They cut P.J. Walker. So the question for you is, David, what, the Browns sitting at 8-5 and right now? Can Joe Flacco be the quarterback that keeps the Browns' Super Bowl hopes alive this season, man, with that defense, with the way he's playing? I know that, what, Dewan Jones and Jedrick Wills are out for the season offensive line-wise. That hurts. But Mm -hmm. can Joe Flacco be the guy to maybe bring the Browns a Super Bowl this year. I mean, crazier, crazier shit has happened. So, I mean, it could. It, <laughs> so, it definitely could. But reasonably expecting, I think that he could get us to the playoffs. But with as with how tough the AFC is um, and just how difficult it will be once you get – to the playoffs, it would need a it would need a miracle just to do it. Not saying like you said, he's basically playing with house money at this point because I think that he knows and realizes that he's on his last legs and this might be the last season or second to last season for him. So he's going it out he's going out there and giving everything he can to do something successful. So I'll take whatever he can get or I'll take whatever he can give, I should say. And uh, hope for the best. I don't know. It's tough, right? Because he clearly wasn't in the league for a reason, but he's healthy. He's playing nice. You know, he seems to uh, to really understand the offense. And he's dishing it out. You know, I think if 
if he can keep the keep the ball clean and if he can keep that offense humming and that and they stop losing guys i think that's the biggest thing like i think i made this comment last week it just feels like every single year there's so much hope for the browns and the, on paper the past like four or five seasons you look at the browns and you're like on paper you're like wow this should be a competitive team and this year you were like hey if deshaun watson's able to return to form this might be like a super bowl caliber team with that defense and I just think that the injuries, again, year after year after year after year, have hurt this team. And somehow they're sitting at 8-5, and five, really looking like they're going to have a playoff spot. And they got a guy in Joe Flacco who, like you kind of said, is is playing for maybe a, a backup role somewhere else next year. and um, Or maybe even he kind of turns out to be like a, a weird... Josh Dobbs situation, you know what I mean, where he just kind of becomes a a quarterback for for hire throughout the year. <laughs> I don't know, but well, to be honest, I said he's probably on his last legs, playing his either his final year or second to last year is what I said. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's true, man. With the way he's playing, I think he's, I think if he continues to play this way and and they get into the playoffs, I think he will play himself onto a roster as a backup somewhere, or at the very least he'll play himself onto a roster and, and get a, a Josh Dobbs situation for the season. I, I really do think that's, that's what will see him fill a role next year. Um, with how important it is to have a really good quality backup quarterback. I think that that's, that's what we see his role next year. And, and honestly, I don't I don't know if he's the guy that can lead the Browns to a Super Bowl, but but how crazy of a storyline would that be? He doesn't play the majority of the season. Not only that, he spent the majority of his career with the Ravens, whooping the Browns. He's now the third most winningest quarterback in the Browns stadium behind Baker Mayfield, Ben Roethlisberger. And he comes in and he helps him win a Super Bowl. What kind of that would be the craziest storyline? The Browns' first Super Bowl won by Joe Flacco. I I don't know if you could write a, a if crazy story. That doesn't story. get him into the Hall of Fame. I don't know what will. <laughs> <laughs> Automatically, first year out of the league. That means a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, exactly. If not, then, then Cleveland will create their own Hall of Fame and put him in it. I don't know. They'll build a statue of that man outside of every building i don't i don't know that's the, the craziest thing i mean dude we saw nick Foles win a super bowl so at the end of the day who really freaking knows like <laughs> yeah wow i don't know if that defense can stay healthy man that's a super bowl caliber defense and if joe mm-hmm. flacco could continue playing at this level that might be a super bowl caliber team there i don't know be interesting Mm-hmm. Be tough though. They get all the way to the Super Bowl. They got to run to the 49ers. I don't think they're going to do well with that one. <laughs> but after the last 49ers game, yeah, I think the 49. If they did the game against the 49ers, I think the 49ers would want vengeance. Yeah, but I mean, hey, prime Joe Flacco. That's what the Browns are getting right now. Prime Joe Flacco playing for a contract. It's dangerous. 
the last time Joe Flacco played for a contract, he won a Super Bowl, though to be fair. And then he got a contract and he became very mid. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. All right, last topic. And we're going to stay here in the AFC, guys, talking about the AFC. If you guys haven't been paying attention, the AFC is a dogfight right now. There's 11 teams that kind of legitimately have a chance for a playoff spot. Seven playoff spots. Think about that. There's another three teams that technically aren't mathematically out. Like, we have uh, the Jets, the Chargers, and the Raiders. Oh, and the Titans. Sorry. Four teams that are all five and eight. That technically, if they won out and the right teams lost, they could still make the playoffs. There's only one team that you could really look at that you're like, yeah, you're not making the playoffs. And that's the Patriots. So you have to think, out of the... 16 teams in the AFC, 15 of them have a chance still to make the playoffs. And not just like a a shot in the dark chance, like an actual chance to make the playoffs. 11 teams more likely, but 15 teams all in all. And I don't think that we've seen this kind of transparency within a, a conference like this in the NFL in a really long time. I don't even think I've seen it in my lifetime. Mm. But David, out of these, you know, 15 teams really, there's only seven spots. So who ends up being the final seven in your mind? Um. Okay, so for me, unless it's absolute heaven, I think 12 through 15 is out. So Chargers through Tennessee, unless some godlike miracle happens. Okay. All right. um, so you, you think, think Char you think Chargers, Raiders, Jets, Tennessee, they're not making the playoffs. Yes. Okay. Unless some god tier miracle happens, I don't think that they're gonna be in it. Yeah. Um, the Chargers losing Justin Herbert, that kind of feels like their season's over. But I mean, we've seen backup quarterbacks come in and play extremely well. So who knows? Um, I think that if anyone in eight through eleven makes it in, I'm gonna bet on Buffalo out of everyone. I have more belief in Sean McDermott and the Buffalo team than out of everyone else that's in the that's in. 8 through 11. So that's Houston, Denver, Cincinnati, and Buffalo. So out of those four, I think Buffalo has the better chance of making the playoff. Not saying that the other three can't. Um, And then, so for me, I think it's one, two, and three, definitely guaranteed uh, playoffs. So that's Baltimore, Miami, Kansas City. Um. I think Pittsburgh drops out because they've been super inconsistent. While they have been better without Matt Canada, I think that they drop out um, in the end. So I think that, so I think that four, five, six, seven, in some order, shape, or form, will be Jacksonville, Cleveland, uh, Buffalo, and. Know what? 
I'll throw an Indianapolis in there as the bottom it out. Okay. All right. I do think Indianapolis. Sorry. So for me, again, for all the listeners out there, one, two, three, Baltimore, Miami, Kansas City, in some form or fashion, four, five, six, and seven will include Jacksonville, Cleveland, Indianapolis, and Buffalo in some form or fashion. I don't know what exact order. Okay. Yeah, I do think I do think Miami wins the AFC East, so they're getting in. I, I want to say the Chiefs win the AFC West, but they've looked really shaky, and the Broncos are only one game back. And I just don't know what to think of that. But I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with the Chiefs making the playoffs, whether or not they are the division winners or they're a wild card. So we'll just say that they're gonna win the division right now. The Ravens pretty much look like they have the AFC North on lock unless they implode. And I'm going to say the Jaguars win the AFC South. So those are four teams that I definitely have in. I agree. I think the Steelers will be on the outside looking in. Um, I think the Browns make it. I'm going to go, and it's tough, right? Because I think the last two, really the three teams in my mind that are going to be fighting for it is going to be the Bills, the Broncos, and the Texans, right? And the Texans, for me, really depends on if C.J. Stroud can come back and be healthy. You know what I mean? I think C.J. Stroud's going to miss this next week, so that really hurts them. Yeah, um, that was that was my major issue with Houston and Wyden. Yeah. So, like, if they're if they're not able to win without him, which I don't think it's a very good possibility, because I do think that C.J.'s willed them to a lot of wins that this team probably shouldn't have won. Um, so I think they drop a game without him and that puts them at seven and seven. And I think it really hurts their chances of making the playoffs. So I think those last two teams and I agree, I think it's the bills and I'm going to put the Broncos in. I think the Broncos for whatever reason, I am, I'm just choosing to have faith that they're just on this destiny run right now. And I don't know how else to, to take it or view it. So, yeah. Dolphins, Chiefs, Ravens, Jaguars, Browns, Bills, Broncos. Those are my seven. I think those are the seven that'll come out. And I think that I think the Steelers and the Texans will be the first two teams on the outside, along with the Colts being that third team. Only because, like I said, I think the Texans drop their next game without CJ Stroud. He comes back, but there's just not enough games for him to you know really make a comeback in that department but stranger things have happened maybe they're able to win that next game that puts them at eight and six cj comes back they win a couple more games they have 10 wins they get in the playoffs i do think that's that's probably my wild card factor is if the texans are able to string together some wins so i don't know but let's know what you guys think at home it's a tough one this afc is is congested <laughs> just like uh a very pollinated day for some people <laughs> <laughs> honest god that's not where i thought you were gonna take that <laughs> i don't know where you were gonna take it but i did not think that <laughs> what's going with the allergies man come on this is a kid show. we're kids friendly here all right jeez 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 all right we're gonna end it with quarter four here guys reaction time or not reaction time jeez man it's been a long day projection time quarter four come on nick get it together we've only done 20 billion of these episodes 
David, <laughs> next week, Cowboys, Bills, who's taking it? I think it's going to be tough. Um, you know what? I'm going to go Bills. I'm going to go for my Bills here. Okay. Uh, my second favorite team in the NFL. Interesting. <laughs> well, one of, I should say, third favorite team. Third favorite team in the NFL. Okay. All right. Because I've is, is second Seattle. Yes. <laughs> Brown Seattle Seattle Bills. Mm-hmm. It's a. I guess you got you got West Coast East Coast Midwest. <laughs> or not Midwest. Are we Midwest? Uh, we're kind of on middle, the edge. Middle mid mid east Midwest. We're not central. Mm. We're, just, we're pocket T pocket T East West. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> interesting 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 you go bills i'm gonna go cowboys man cowboys are on a run this is a much like the bills need to win this game if they want to keep their playoff hopes alive um but i just think the cowboys are going to be too much i think dak is really trying to put together a great season this year he's staying clean and he will add to his mvp i guess reasons why do I want to say this? He's going to add to his list of reasons to win the MVP. There you go. Jeez. It's time to be done with this episode, man. I cannot talk. Um, oh, Don't tell Dom that he's going to try and win the MVP. He'll be very upset, but yes, <laughs> he's, he's a front runner for a lot of people right now. And I can't tell them that they're wrong. Cause he's, he's been playing really well. So I don't know. It'd be very interesting. Eagles Seahawks. I only put this one on here because I feel like it's a must win for the Seahawks. Um, and the Eagles have been kind of struggling. So I'll be interested to get your opinion. Do you think this is a close game or do you think the Eagles kind of have a get right game here? I think that the Eagles have a get right game here as much as it breaks my heart. Um, <laughs> so I think the Eagles will, I think the Eagles will come out and win this. I think that they need to get back on the track. But like I've said, it, it there's two sides to a coin. And I think that the Eagles are desperate to win and try to get in the playoffs. And we'll see how desperate they are. So for right now, for the purpose of this show, I'm going to say Eagles. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Seahawks were more desperate. Yeah, I mean... The Seahawks are going to be playing for their playoff hopes. I think Geno Smith is going to be playing for another opportunity to start next season. Um, But I do think you're right. I think the Eagles come out with this win. I don't think it's like a blowout blowout, but I do think that they have a good game. They win this pretty handily and, and they uh, make us all believe again in their, in their abilities to be one of the best teams in the NFC, if not the NFL. But talk about two sides of a coin. You just gave me freaking flashbacks to the to the uh, college football semi semis last year when uh, C.J. Stroud called freaking heads instead of tails and jinxed the whole game, so he missed the field goal at the end. <laughs> Bro, I will never forgive that man. Any single time somebody mentions a coin, I just get immediately pissed off. I'm like, <laughs> who doesn't pick tails? Who who doesn't pick tails? Gosh, it gets me so turned. I, I will support him for his whole career, but if I ever meet that man in person, I would be like, bro, tails never fails. Why did you do this to us? I had to watch our kicker shank a kick to the left at midnight on the new year 
It's all because of you. It's because of you. Because you picked heads instead of tails. Anyway. Last year on projection time, David. Ravens-Jaguars. I'm not going to say a must win for the Jaguars, but I do feel like... If well, at this want... point, it's a must win for every team. Yeah. Let's be honest. That is We're fair. not going to get ourselves. Kid ourselves. Yes. I mean, the Ra- the Ravens are vying for that first seed. Um, mm. The bye in the playoffs, I would say. And the Jaguars are trying to increase their lead there in their division so that the uh, Colts and Texans can't creep up on them. So who do you think wins this game here, David? You know what? Based on how they played last week, I'm going to go with the Jaguars. Or this past week, I should say. Okay. All right. So if they, they can keep up what they did against the Browns, then I think they have a solid chance. But they lost to the Browns. Doesn't win or lose a close game is a close game. They lost to Joe Flacco. It yes, I get a win's a win at the end of the day. I mean, I just I just gave Joe Flacco credit and then I just shit on him on the same episode. But... <laughs> yeah, exactly. But still, I mean they let like 40,000-year-old Joe Flacco tear him up. What do you think that Lamar Jackson's going to do? I I don't know. I'm going to disagree with you here on David. I think the uh the Ravens win this game. They move to 11 and 3 and they solidify their position as the number 1 seed in the AFC. And yeah. I think uh I think the Ravens are the real deal. I think uh Lamar Jackson is is playing for a Super Bowl this year. And I think that that we're really starting to see that contract pay off there for the Ravens. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if the Jaguars can do this one there. I think uh, Trevor Lawrence is still playing with a bum wheel, and that's tough. And I just think the Ravens are a better team. But, hey, anything happens. The Jaguars could win this game. I mean, I never thought the Steelers would lose to the Cardinals and the Patriots in back-to-back weeks, but... They cease to uh, amaze me and hurt my soul. So, yeah. Well, the Browns have been hurting the souls of Clevelanders for 20-plus years now. So, join the show. And that shows Roethlisberger and Joe Flacco are the second and third most winningest quarterbacks in Browns stadium history. That's tough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, now that we've just crushed all the Cleveland Browns fans' hearts, um, that'll do it, guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of (laughs) presented by Deep Dive Sports. I am Nick. I was joined by David today. And, you know, we'll catch you on the next one. Adios. Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Two Minute Drill. And make sure to follow the show on Instagram at Two Minute Drill Podcast, D-D-S. Don't forget to follow deep.dive.sports on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can listen to all of our shows wherever you get your podcasts. Also, comment on all our posts and episodes. We would love to hear what you think about the show and what we talk about each week. And as always, Two Minute Drill listeners, until next time.